We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You don't want it. You don't need it. But you're going to get it anyway. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Here's Kevin. Two guests on the show today. Jay Gruden will be with us as he is every Friday. We'll get Jay's Super Bowl preview pick plus a lock of the week. Get his thoughts on Cliff Kingsbury as well. And in this opening segment, you'll hear from Tim Murray, our good friend from the Visa Network out in Las Vegas at the Circa. Uh, We'll get the betting trends uh, out there in Vegas from Tim. We'll get some picks from him as well. The show, as always, presented by Window Nation. Call them at 866-90-NATION or head to windownation.com. Mention my name, you'll get a free estimate so you've got nothing to lose. So there's some Washington news, which I'll get to here uh, shortly. I do want to get right to Super Bowl 58 and give you a couple of keys and then give you my pick on the game, uh, my final score prediction. My smell test pick will be in the final segment of the show. So I'm surprised about this matchup. Uh, I really thought we'd see Baltimore here. I was a Baltimore backer for a while down the stretch, certainly after that Christmas night game where they beat San Francisco to a pulp. But they're not here, and they didn't deserve to be here because Kansas City went into Baltimore for the AFC title game and their defense dominated. And that's what's top of mind for me right now in thinking about this matchup, which is a hard, hard game, I think, to call one way or the other. But to me, more than Mahomes, more than Reed, more than Kelsey, it's Kansas City's defense, which has been outstanding all season long and played the game of the year for them, forcing three turnovers, forcing Baltimore to punt, Uh, a lot because they couldn't convert on third downs, while San Francisco's defense has gone the other way. They got torched by Green Bay. They could have easily lost that game, and they should have lost to Detroit. They needed needed the Lions to self-implode to be here in this title game. The 49er defense was outstanding all year long, but it's been weak in the postseason. I like Kansas City in this game because I think Kansas City's defense will do what it has to do in slowing down McCaffrey and putting the game on Brock Purdy. I think Brock Purdy did a great job 
when Detroit served up the opportunity in playing very well off schedule much of the time down the stretch to lead the 49ers to the NFC Championship win. I think he did a phenomenal job on that last drive at Green Bay. I don't know if he can do it over and over again. I don't mind Brock Purdy as a quarterback, as a starting quarterback. I'm just not one of those people that is head over heels in the description of him as being, you know, Joe Montana-esque. I don't see that personally, but he was really good when it mattered in the two playoff games. He was also really horrible for three quarters against Green Bay and in the first half against Detroit. I think if Kansas City's defense, which I think will be the star of this game as it has been, I think if they slow down McCaffrey and keep Kittle under wraps, even more so than Debo, and they put this game on Brock Purdy, I think it's going to be hard for San Francisco to score. And on the flip side, Kansas City is going to be facing a defense that seems to be in decline, and it will be an easier defense than the one they faced in the AFC title game. Now, they didn't do much after the first two drives against Baltimore, but I think they'll do enough offensively, and I think Kansas City's offense has a better chance against San Francisco's defense than San Francisco's offense does against Kansas City's defense. It's the chief defense. It's Steve Spagnuolo and two weeks of preparation that I trust in going into this game. I know a lot of people are looking at this game going, how is San Francisco favored? And the way I usually bet, as you know, would be to say, Vegas doesn't screw it up. I'll take the 49ers. But I'm not in this game. The Super Bowl tends to be a little bit different than regular season games. I like the Chiefs. I like the Chiefs' defense. I like Mahomes not to make any mistakes. He never does in these games. And just enough plays. And I like the Chiefs 24-17. to But how about this? In overtime... They take it on the first possession, score a touchdown. It's not over. Uh, There are new rules in overtime a couple of years now in the making, and the 49ers would still get an opportunity with the ball, and I think the Chiefs stopped them on a fourth down, and they win the game in overtime 24-17. to That would be just the second overtime Super Bowl game uh, ever. Uh, And it would be the third Super Bowl victory for Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes in five years. They've been to four in five years. Remember, the only time they didn't go was when they lost to the Bengals in overtime, 23-20. to Uh, Should be a great game. It's a really hard game, I think, to analyze and to pick. But I'm going to pick the Chiefs' defense and no mistakes and enough plays by Mahomes 24-17 in overtime against the 49ers. All right, there is some Washington news related to their coaching staff. They have hired Larry Izzo. Uh, Ben Standig was the first to report this as their special teams coach. Uh, Izzo was the special teams coordinator in Seattle since 2021. He's been in Seattle overall since 2018. Uh, And so what you have now is you've got a head coach that isn't necessarily bringing a lot of friends to the table. Have you noticed that? 
They kept Tavita Pritchard. They hired Cliff Kingsbury. The guy that he brought as his defensive coordinator is a guy from Dallas that he's been working with. They hire Larry Izzo, no Nate Katzer uh, to stay. Um, they bring in Brian Johnson to help out offensively. Uh, yeah, um, it's a bit different from the Charlotte North uh, parade that we had four years ago. But I do want to say this. You know, as I say that, I do think that comfort level with coaches and being confident in a working relationship isn't a bad way to go. Um, And I also felt at the time when Ron Rivera brought a lot of his coaches in from other places, um, I really felt that in some ways it made sense for him going into a Dan Snyder organization where, you know, there's a lot of – you know, there's a lot of involvement by the owner, and to have people that were loyal to Ron may have made sense for him. Um, but it's being done differently this go round. It just feels different to me. It feels much different uh, to me. By the way, um, Mike Zimmer is going to be the defensive coordinator in Dallas. I think that is an outstanding hire for them, not Ron Rivera who interviewed there, who interviewed in Philadelphia. I think he also was going to interview with the Rams, or maybe he did interview. I don't think Ron Rivera is getting a job, as I've said all along. I don't think anybody's going to hire him to be the defensive coordinator, maybe some sort of linebacker's coach, you know, with an assistant head coach title. I I really, you know, question the motives on all of that. Um, uh, Even, you know, potentially some of the interviews that have been set up, but whatever, Uh, I'll move on from that. Uh, I think Zimmer in Dallas is an outstanding hire. He is a great defensive mind. In Minnesota, he didn't have talent on defense the last few years there. Uh, They were an offensive team, not a defensive team, but I think he schemes up defense as well as anybody does, and I think that's a really good get for the Cowboys. You know, Zimmer on defense there, Fangio on defense uh, in Philadelphia. Um, There have been some good hires so far in the NFC East. By the way, Arthur Blank in Atlanta today said that Bill Belichick, A, never was offered the job by Atlanta, and B, never asked for full control of the roster. You talk about two lines of reporting that were not exactly spot on. You know, for three or four days, it was Belichick is about to get this job. He's going to take this job. He's going to be offered the job. And then when he wasn't, it was because he was asking for too much control. Well, according to Arthur Blank, neither one of those two things was true. Um, Amazing that we are here with all of the vacant head coaching openings filled and Bill Belichick didn't get one and Mike Vrabel didn't get one. Uh, Vrabel, by the way, may go to work in this upcoming season uh, at Wisconsin with his good friend Luke Fickle, the head coach of the Badgers. Meantime, Bill O'Brien is getting the job at Boston College. I've always been a Bill O'Brien fan. I can't believe the job he did at Penn State post-Paterno. Two winning seasons with basically the biggest handicap of not being able to play in postseason, having scholarships revoked, etc. And he always, I felt, you know, overachieved in Houston. They went to the playoffs four times when he was the coach of the Texans as division champions with like nine and seven records with the likes of like Brock Osweiler and Tom Savage and 
Brian Hoyer quarterbacking. I'm sure I'm forgetting um, a couple of others. Uh, Anyway, uh, before we get to Tim Murray, I do want to tell you about our good friends at Due South and their Mardi Gras bash this Tuesday, February 13th. Get ready to let the good times roll with their legendary Cajun buffet, live music, and beads galore. It's an authentic Mardi Gras party right here in the nation's capital. Learn more at DueSouthDC.com. Jay Gruden coming up here shortly. Tim Murray is jumping on with us right now. Of course, Tim was with the station for years. He's with Vizen Live's primetime 6 to 9 Eastern show, which he hosts. Uh, you can follow Tim on Twitter at one Tim Murray. He does it from Vegas. Uh, that's where Aaron Oster and Tim Murray left just, I don't know, three years ago now to head to Vegas. Is it three years? I think it's three years. Three and a half. Yeah, three and a half. All right. So what's Vegas been like this week? It's been exciting, man. I mean, it's a city that is is built for this. Like, you know, I've been down at Mandalay Bay. That's where Radio Row is. Bumping into a lot of our friends, Grant Paulson, J.P. Finley, uh, B. Mitch. So it's great to see a lot of old friends. Michael Phillips uh, there. So uh, shout out to all the, lo- the local guys uh, down in, uh, in Vegas. But, you know, I think tonight is going to be a little more crazy. Uh, you know, you're going to start to feel a little bit more, but... Honestly, Kevin, if you're not going down to the Strip, it, it, it's kind of unnoticeable, but I think tonight you'll definitely start to feel it a lot more. Also saw Nick Ashew got to throw my guy Nick Ashew in there, too. So everybody's here, man. It's, <laughs> it's fun, but, you, you know, I'm you know my studio at Circa is downtown, and, you know, so many people want to come down there. Yesterday we were on the air, and I look out the window of the studio – and Rich Gannon is sitting right there, and he just walks into the studio. You're like, oh, hey, 2002 NFL MVP, why don't you jump on our show? So, no, it's been fun. Uh, curious what tonight will bring, uh, Friday night, so uh, we'll see. But this is a city, Kevin, that, as you know, it's built for massive events like this. It is. Look, I went to the Super Bowl in Las Vegas many, many years in a row, and it was one of the best weekends of the year. Now that the Super Bowl's actually in Las Vegas, I can only imagine. Um, But uh, look, you're at one of those places. I can only imagine what the scene will be like at the Circa on Sunday for the game. Yeah, I've I've done uh, the the Super Bowl there for two years. I'm not going to be on the air this year, but the last two years I've been at Circa for the Super Bowl. It's incredible. I mean, it's one of the biggest weekends, even when the game's not here, as you alluded of to, course. of the entire year out here in Las Vegas. So you add the game, you add the, you know, everybody's here. And, you know, look, this is a city that I believe per capita, Kevin, has more hotel rooms than any city in the, in the like, country or maybe even the world. So there's no worry about finding a place to stay. And, um, you know, like I said, I'm curious who will uh, we'll be walking around tonight. The only thing that I think people have been kind of complaining about is, it's been unseasonably cool. Yeah. Uh, temps have been in like the 40s. It was raining Monday and Tuesday, so there was some bitching about that. But other than that, it's, uh, I think it's gone pretty well. So will that stadium swim arena thing be packed even though it's outdoors? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Dan Lebetard is up there doing his show. There were like a 1,000 people uh-huh. watching Dan Lebetard's show out there. But, yeah, stadium swim completely sold out, I think. Uh, I was out there two years ago. We set up our uh, postgame show from high atop and uh it was pretty wild the good thing about stadium swim is that they it's not cold water so it's it's basically like a massive hot tub now so it's like 100 degrees or whatever it is so 
People will, uh, the best way to stay cool or warm is uh, to jump in the old water at Stadium Swim. Do you have, uh, I've seen your studio at the Circa, do you have a big crowd that sits outside of the studio uh, when it's packed, like I'm sure it's been all week, listening to the show? Can they hear your show when you're doing it? So, no, they can't, uh, which is kind of unfortunate. But the, the cool part is, you know, during big events, um, you know, the, the crowd behind us will be pretty big. I've been on the air during the national championship for both football and, and, uh, in the, and college basketball. Uh, so getting that, those shots, March Madness, it's ridiculous. So they can't hear us uh, unless they, you know, pipe us in, you know, via YouTube TV or whatever it may be or listen on the app. But we don't have, like, speakers outside our studio. All right, before we get to the wagering um, discussion on the Super Bowl, I'm going to ask you, you and I do a lot of college football stuff together. Tim comes on, you know, regularly, you know, often enough during the season. I don't like to ask him too much, but Tim's one of the best college football guys out there. Explain to me why Chip Kelly would leave (laughs) UCLA as the head coach and go to Ohio State as the offensive coordinator. I, I don't really know. Um, I could only speculate. Um, and I should have asked our friend Stanford Steve, who was in studio last night with me, because he knows Chip Kelly quite well. Yeah, he does. Uh, so I, I should I should have asked him about it, but I didn't. Um, and I know the news just came out today with Bill O'Brien officially going to Boston College as their head coach. But my my guess is, is twofold, and we were talking about it a little off air. I think Chip Kelly, who's more of an old-school coach, getting up there in age, I think you know the NIL transfer portal situation is not one that he is uh, in love with. Uh, you know, I, I, I've heard rumors about the Dante Moore situation. He was a highly, highly touted five-star recruit who was thought to be going to Notre Dame, then committed to Oregon, then ultimately landed as a surprise on signing day UCLA last year. And there were just rumors all year about his NIL situation wasn't fully coming through and. You know, if he doesn't play enough, they're going to he's going to transfer. And lo and behold, he did. He went to Oregon, and he's you know going to back up Dylan Gabriel this year uh, up there in Eugene, and then uh, take over when Gabriel leaves. And then secondly, I, I think it's part you know I think it's kind of a middle finger to UCLA a little bit because you know while they haven't had wild success under Chip Kelly, I mean you got to know that the Rose Bowl, while as an iconic. Uh, you know, a stadium for the Rose Bowl every year as a home field advantage is absolutely terrible, terrible yeah. for UCLA. It's far away from campus. Nobody goes to their games. Nobody in that city gives a shit about UCLA football. And they were putting them on the hot seat this year. So it almost felt like we beat USC. I'm out of here. Screw you guys. I'm going to try to get a better job. So. You know, obviously he was up for, for Washington's gig. I think he was up for Las Vegas's gig, uh, the offensive coordinator. And, uh, you know, now we here he goes to, to Ohio State. So, yeah, really curious to see how this all plays out. I believe Ryan Day played for Chip Kelly at New Hampshire, so there's a connection there. Wow. Um, so, you know, maybe that's that's what it is. Double-check me on that, but I believe I well, saw wasn't, that. Well, was wasn't case. he with Chip Kelly um... – wasn't he with Chip Kelly in San Francisco? I think he may I have been. I don't know off the I, top of my head. So he did. I'm, I'm pulling it up right now. Ryan Day did play 
college football at New Hampshire. But he was also the quarterback's coach in 2016, and that was the one season, correct me if I'm wrong, that Chip Kelly was the head coach in San Francisco. So he's already hired him. Um, By the way, he was also in Philadelphia in 2015, so that would have been with Chip Kelly as well. So he's been with Chip Kelly a couple of times. Yeah. Yeah, and I guess that makes sense. And, you know, and I think the Ohio State fans, look, Ohio State, man, they are going all in this year. What they've done in the portal uh, with Quinshawn Junkins from Ole Miss. I'm not the biggest Will Howard guy, but they went out and got Will Howard. I like, I like Will Howard. You don't like him? He's, he's fine. I mean, I, I, didn't, I don't know if he is he a massive upgrade over uh, the kid that they had last year. He's an upgrade. He's, an, up, he's, an, up, he's an upgrade. Over I McCord. like I like the kid Avery Johnson behind them. So when Kansas State says you can go, it's always kind of an eyebrow raiser. Uh, I know they really like the kid Avery Johnson who's behind him, but he's fine. Uh, but you know, look at the other pieces. Emeka Ibuka is coming back. Uh, JT Tui Ulimamal. I'm gonna I completely butchered his name, but he was a <laughs> French first round pick, yeah, and he's right. coming back. The only guy that left uh, essentially was. Uh, was Marvin Harrison, uh, the the running backs coming back, um, uh, whose name is it? Uh, I forget which one, but, I mean, they're going to be low. Well, wait a minute, I is, mean, Travion, is Travion Henderson coming back? Travion Henderson's coming back, yeah. Okay. yeah. It, so they have, they have Judkins and Henderson I coming back. Jud- I mean, Judkins is a really good back. I mean, I mean the, yeah. the money that they, I mean, they were talking about the money they were trying to keep. They were trying to keep Marvin Harrison. I mean, it wasn't going to ha- happen. He's going to be the top right. non-quarterback selected in the draft, but look, the pressure's on Ryan Day, and that's why I think he went out and, and got someone like Bill O'Brien. And obviously Bill O'Brien's tenure was all of two weeks as he goes to Boston College. But, you know, as a, as a play caller, um, I, you know, Chip Kelly has been pretty darn good in his career and, and maybe just to solely focus on play calling uh, and, and to potentially win a national championship is, is what Chip Kelly wants. Look, he's never won a national championship, and he wasn't going to win one at UCLA. Um. I'll take two minutes, and then I want to get to the gambling stuff for the Super Bowl. So, Halfley yeah. leaving BC um, and heading to the NFL as an offensive coordinator. Kelly, looking at the NFL, perhaps considering the NFL even more than Ohio State, not getting a gig in the NFL, but leaving a head coaching job and ending up as an OC in college. To me, it's just about the difference today in being a head college basketball or head football coach than it used to be. It's just not the same job anymore. And I'm not sure it's sustainable the way it is right now. I I know I've been on my soapbox before talking about the value proposition of the old system. Not that I was against NIL and players making money and being able to work and earn money, but I think people have always understated the value proposition for the athlete. Not just room board tuition, but training, coaching, meals, healthcare, and then the incredible marketing platform that college sports is that enables these athletes that end up becoming professionals to get bigger first contracts, to get more endorsement opportunities because they they have a brand um, heading into the NFL or the NBA. But let me just say, you and I have talked about this before, how long are these donors that are participating in these collectives 
uh, these NIL collectives, how long are they going to continue to pony up year in and year out? I'm not talking about Texas. I'm not talking about Ohio State and maybe three or three or four other schools. I'm talking about 90 to 95% of the Power 5 schools. When you keep coming back to the same dude, hey, we need 300K again, we need 500K, and there's little to no return on the investment. Why? Because there's unrestricted annual free agency for college athletes now. They can take the money and nine months later leave to go somewhere else. And the hit rate on recruiting and on transfer portal is similar to the NFL draft. It's like one out of three end up being a contributor. I don't see it being sustainable. I don't. And coaches now spend much of their time re-recruiting the players they just recruited. There's no commitment coming back. It's a one-way relationship. It's terrible for the coaches, um, and I think ultimately it's it's not going to be sustainable. I think the a lot of this collective money, this NIL money, is going to dry up in a lot of places. And maybe that'll ultimately lead to the separation of a, a 10 school above the NCAA. They're going to play their own you know thing because they have an, a, a limitless amount of 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 funds but uh, this is odd Halfley Kelly we've seen so many coaches complain about the way it is today and I understand that some of you out there are going to say well too bad they're the ones that have been making all the money and the players haven't been making anything bullshit the players have gotten you know a lot of value in return for their commitment, but there was a middle ground there to get the players some money for name, image, and likeness, but not give them what no other athlete professionally has, which is unrestricted annual free agency. It's a one-way relationship. There's not a big return on investment for these collectives in most cases. I don't see how it's sustainable. Yeah, I think. I mean, I think there's some interesting points there. I think it's a longer conversation uh, to get into because I, I like the fact that the players have some power now. Uh, players who earn earn their right. Uh, you know, Caitlin Clark should be making millions of dollars. To be honest, I mean, she is changing the game of women's basketball right now, uh, and and she is the reason Iowa is on Fox primetime. It feels like on a regular basis, she's the reason that. You know, Xfinity Center was sold out just a couple days ago when Iowa came to town. But to your point, 17-year-old kids who haven't proven anything, you know, going around asking for different, you know, the bag is, you know, the way that it works. And, you know, to, to your point, too, I mean, what about these donors in Miami? I mean, Mario Cristobal is an absolute doofus, and they keep getting big-time recruits. <laughs> They've got a couple of big ones. They have, they've had all this money, yeah. and you're right. I mean, at some point. That, that well's going to dry up. That spigot's going to dry up. So, look, I don't feel bad for coaches. They make ungodly amounts of money. There's an insane amount of television money out there, too. So I just think they got to figure it out. They, 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 the NCAA is so chicken shit at different things that they don't want to get in front of this train and try to regulate it. They're just letting it be the wild, wild west. I think there needs to be some regulations. Uh, I do want players to get paid. Uh, but, you know, it's you know, as we move forward you know, on a much lower level, South Alabama's coach left as a sitting head coach to be the defensive coordinator at Alabama. Buffalo's coach left as a sitting head coach to Alabama. I mean, coaches are leaving head coaching positions to go become coordinators. We saw it last year 
with uh, Sean Lewis leaving Kent State to go to Colorado. You would think, oh, that didn't work out, right? No, he ended up getting a better head coaching job at San Diego State. So it's a big, big issue uh, all over the place from these coaching standpoints. And, I, yeah, I agree. There's, there's some issues moving forward. And let me just wrap this up real quickly um, because I don't want anybody to misunderstand my position. I don't have a problem with NIL. I want players to get money and get paid for name, image, and likeness. I just think that the relationship right now between the players and these schools slash collectives is just heavily weighted in favor of the player. And so it's not a mutually beneficial relationship right now. And that makes it, for me, unsustainable. And if it's unsustainable in a lot of places where the money starts to dry up, that's not good for the players. It's in everybody's best interest for this relationship between the player that takes the money and then the commitment that he gives back to be mutually beneficial. And if it isn't, um, then you know there's just going to be less money to be had and fewer players are going to benefit down the road. But anyway, that's not why I brought you on. Um, I want to talk about the betting of the Super Bowl because you are in the mecca of betting on sports Las Vegas. So let's start with what you're hearing right now on this game and how it's being bet. You're right there in the middle of it in the Circa. You hear it from odds makers uh, from a lot of the various sports books in town that you have on your show. How is this game being bet right now from a side and total perspective? Yeah, I mean, so I will say that the majority of the action will start to come in today and Saturday for sure. Um, what's been interesting, Kevin, and you and I and our good friend Steve Sands uh, have our have our group text, and I, I can't recall a situation like this where people that I respect very, very highly like the Chiefs, but I wouldn't call them sharp betters, right? The public loves the Chiefs. The line of the week outside of everybody – telling me how tall I am uh, that I had never met in person before at Radio Row was the wrong Tim is very favored. tall. Tim is 6'6", six, six, so uh, for those yeah. that don't know, yeah. <laughs> um, Big D3 but, hoops player. Yeah, well, I wouldn't kill him. I, I played D3 hoops. We'll just leave it at that. Um, <laughs> um, so, look, I, I think – People think the wrong team is favored. You know that you're getting you're getting value on Patrick Mahomes. Is that possible? Come Sunday, 100. percent Patrick Mahomes is one of the greatest football players ever to walk the face of the planet. And Brock Purdy is a good quarterback. He's not a great quarterback. He doesn't suck, right? I know he was drafted as the last pick, but he's not some bum. Um, but you know the way I've been looking at this game is Kevin. Five, six weeks ago, San Francisco is a six-point favorite in this game, and now it's two. So, you know, I was asked a, a couple days ago on a, a radio interview, you know, could do odds make how many not weeks know how, to ag- how many weeks ago was the look-ahead minus six? No, 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 no. What I'm saying is the line would have been six. If you just do the math. Oh, oh you're saying uh, six. How many, how many weeks ago would you have done that? I would say on Christmas Day, you would have had Kansas City probably catching six on a neutral against the 49ers. Okay. So it's adjusted. It's adjusted a lot. But people are are thinking that they haven't adjusted. And could the Kansas City Chiefs win this game? Absolutely they could. But the way I look at it is I think you're getting the 49ers, believe it or not, on a little bit of sale here. 
And I haven't bet this game yet, Kevin, because I think the line might come down a little bit more because the public does have its say when it comes to the Super Bowl. I'll give you another example. Look, one of the sharper shops here in Las Vegas, the Westgate Superbook, Mm -hmm. they sit at two and a half. They haven't come off of two and a half yet. So, and, and, and the two and a half number gives you the ability to buy the three. Now you got to pay a tax. It's like minus 130, minus 135, whatever it may be. But they've been hanging out at two and a half, and no one's raced in that they're worried about and scooped up two and a half. Yeah. So there is a public lean on Kansas City, there's an expert lean on Kansas City. I would say City. more than lean. I. Well, I'm just telling you know, I'll tell you, you know where I get information on Thursdays yeah. and it's more offshore, not Vegas. And there's a Casey lean. I've seen much bigger public plays um, than the Chiefs in this Super Bowl. Um, I also but they're a dog too, but but also they're a dog, and, and that's pretty rare, right? Yeah. Public doesn't but two straight like weeks. Yeah, you're right. Two straight yeah. weeks they've been been no. a dog. And yeah. Yeah, yeah and, and they and they covered in one outright both times. There was sharp money, a lot of sharp money on the Ravens last uh, right. two weeks ago. Ton. That bumped that line up to four and a half, and they were they were wrong, right? I mean, the sharps aren't a hundred percent. They 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 hit at uh, you know better than fifty five percent, which is which is your uh, ultimate goal. But the sharps are wrong from time to time. There's no doubt about it. Can the public have its day? Absolutely. They have had their days before. We've had high-scoring Super Bowls, you know. When you think about the Patriots-Eagles uh, Super Bowl, uh, what was that, six years ago, I mean, every over under the sun hit in that game. It was the highest-scoring, most exciting Super Bowl, and the public absolutely ate up that game. So, look, is it possible? Of course it is. But the way I look at this game from an anti-public play, from just the way I kind of analyze it myself, does Patrick Mahomes scare the shit out of me? Yes, 100%. But I think that San Francisco, uh, with their skill position players, should be able to win this game. And I think from top to bottom, 1 through 53, I give a slight lean to San Francisco having a better football team. What do people out there believe will happen to the line between now and kickoff? Because I think you and I are on the same page because I think you just said this. I, from the jump, thought it was much more likely that it would approach pick'em by kickoff than three. Um, I've been wrong so far. What do you think happens here over the last 48 hours? I would be stunned if it hit three. I do not think it'll hit three. I think there will be a lot of resistance at three. Um, But I don't think we're getting to a pick. I think, I honestly think, Kevin, maybe we see a one show up. It got to one early last week, and then it started to get the buyback here on the 49ers. Sharp guys are usually going to hit the market early. The limits are going to get bigger this weekend. I think it drops a little bit. Um, I think the total probably ticks up to 48, and I think we're probably hanging out at, at one, one and a half. And, you know, DraftKings right now is the cheapest money line out there, minus 120. Because here's the thing, Kevin, is your recreational better that's wherever they're betting, there's 36 states legalized now or whatever it may be, are they going to take two points with the Kansas City Chiefs? No, they're going to take the money line. So I think the way to go, if you truly want to be anti-public, is to go on the money line. I think you're going to get a suppressed money line because people don't want to – people aren't going to want to pay minus 110, Kevin, for two points. They're going to say to themselves, 
When does a game ever land one or two? I want the money line with Patrick Mahomes. The wrong team's the favorite, et cetera. They're going to take the plus money, and I understand why they're going to go that route. So I do think you're going to get a cheaper money line. So I think money line might be around minus 120 or so. Maybe maybe you see a minus 115. That would be a little short. But I think one and a half, too, is where we close in this game. I don't think we see much movement. You know, also, just from experience in betting these standalone games, but specifically the Super Bowl, it just is hard. Um, And I don't know that – I'd love to look back in history. I've not done that, but I bet you the public's have been right a lot of the times, whether it's a strong lean or a slight lean. Real quickly, though, on the total – it is not mm-hmm. budged from 47.5. You think it might go up to 48? Because I think there is definitely an over lean right now. I think we'll touch 48, yeah. I, Circa has hit 48 a little bit this week, and it's just been immediately banged to the under from you know respected money. Yeah. Uh, but I think the public money is going to overtake it. Uh, I do know, I haven't looked in the last hour, but there was another shop in town uh, that was sitting 48. Um, so I, I think we get the 48. I don't know if we get 48 and a half, but once again, public's going to come in and have their say. It's one of the few events every year where the public money actually outweighs the sharp money and books do have to react to what the public is doing. So I do think the over money is going to hit. Uh, I think 48 probably is uh, the likely landing spot. So I, I like the under a little bit. I like the, probably the Niners side more than I like the under. But if I had two plays right now, because I'm not a big prop guy, it would be Niners money line and under 48, uh, assuming we get there. All right. Um, I don't know how often I've discussed this with you over the years. One of the things that I typically like in these standalone games is I like, you know, taking alternate line bets to mm-hmm. that that will essentially knock out teasers because you know how in these situations teasers can be very costly except that they usually aren't um, but in a game that's expected to be so closely contested I can see a ton of you know Kansas City over bets or San Francisco over bets so you know, I like to look at those alternate lines that knock out, you know, on a side, let's just say, all of the teaser bets. So to look at, you know, the 49ers at minus nine, minus nine and a half, plus 240, plus 250 on the comeback, you know, just thinking that, you know, Kansas City backers are going to have the Chiefs at plus eight and a half, getting the six and a half and a two team teaser with, let's just say, the over, you know, at 41, knocked down from 47 and a half. Um, do you get people that ever come in and talk about the alternate lines being a way to kind of break up the teaser bet, which is a big part of what the books will take this weekend in every uh, teaser scenario? So, you know, I might look at it as Kansas City laying four and a half on the alternate line plus 190 as a way to break up those that are going to take San Francisco, um, you know, plus points. Uh, do you ever get people talking about that? No, not really. Not on my show, at least. I think that's an interesting angle, though, to, to look at uh, when you look at, you know, I mean, this is a very teasable number uh, for those just a quick uh, you know, breakdown of teasers. The the ultimate goal, if you're playing a teaser, is to take a favorite from seven and a half to eight and a half, and you push them down to one and a half or two and a half, or you take a dog, which is what the Chiefs are, from two 
up to eight, you're getting to the keys of three and seven. That's the ideal teaser. They call it the Wong teaser. Um, so this is a this is a classic teaser spot. But what are you going to tease it with? You're going to tease a total. You're going to you're going to tease to I don't know, like a, a UFL game in the in the spring. There's really no teaser leg, but I could see no doubt people teasing to your point, Chiefs to eight. And then the total down to forty one and a half. I, I could see that. Yeah, so no doubt. yeah, I mean I, I think if I had to rate it, I think it's Niners close win, Chiefs close win, Niners blowout. I don't think the Chiefs blow them out. I, I really that would be the one result. If the Chiefs won, I wouldn't be surprised. If the Niners won, obviously I'm betting them. I would not be surprised. If the Niners won by ten or more, I wouldn't be stunned. I would be pretty surprised if the, the Chiefs went out there on Sunday and mopped the floor with the 49ers. Look at the games this year that they've had, you know, relatively low spreads. The Eagles on the road, uh, the Cowboys on Sunday night football. 49ers kicked their ass, both of them. So that's why I think the, Chiefs, the 49ers have the capability of, of potentially blowing out the Chiefs. But look, I, I think it's going to be a close game. I think it's going to be an exciting game. Uh, I think it's going to be low scoring, too. I think both of these defenses, even though the 49ers have looked a little leaky lately, Kevin, I think both of these defenses have looked uh, the part, and uh, that's why I think it's more of a low scoring game. All right, so what's your, what are you going to play? Uh, so I'm going to go 49ers money line. I think they went 24-20, to 20, so I'll go under. Uh, once again, uh, let's get to 48. I think it'll happen. we got to be patient. Uh, I think Brock Purdy wins MVP, uh, you know, plus 225 or so. That would be something I would look at. George Kittle, anytime touchdown is interesting to me because all the talk about Travis Kelsey is around like plus 170. And then uh, the one that's kind of weird uh, that I liked was uh, I've, I've talked about it a lot this week is I do expect it to be a heavy dose of, of Christian McCaffrey. There's no pitch count for Christian McCaffrey right now. If Christian McCaffrey needs to blow or gets dinged up, I think they just put Debo Samuel back there. I think Elijah Mitchell under one and a half carries is kind of a, a random uh, off the radar that, is... that I've kind of talked myself uh, talked myself <laughs> <into this week. laughs> under one and a half for Elijah Mitchell, who did come in at the end of that Detroit game and get yeah. get a bunch. But to yeah. your point, if, look, if Christian yeah. McCaffrey gets hurt, I'm I'm screwed. Like I I totally recognize yeah. that, um, but I don't. I, I we had a you know I, I had kind of concocted this. I had heard one of my you know gambling buddies on his podcast talk about this, and then I asked a, a 49ers reporter about it, and he goes, "Look." Christian McCaffrey should never come off the field on Sunday. And if he does, he's hurt. So I, 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 will, uh, I will hold my nose and play under one and a half. And if Elijah Mitchell gets two carries, I'll be a little bit bummed. But I know everyone wants prop plays. I'm just not a big prop guy. Uh, but I think I'll throw a little bit in the count on Elijah Mitchell under his, uh, his carries. Well, to me, this is the key to the game. Kansas City's defense has been outstanding. San Francisco's has regressed a little bit here in recent weeks. And if Kansas City can stop the run and put this game on Brock Purdy, uh, I think they got a really good chance to win it. Um, Great job. Appreciate the time. I know how busy you are. Enjoy the weekend. I'll talk to you soon. All right, Kevin. See you. That's my guy Tim Murray, everybody, at one Tim Murray on X on Twitter. Good insight on the betting of this game. He is at the center of the universe right now, Las Vegas, Nevada, downtown Vegas at the Circa, uh, and he gave us some of his picks 
as well. Uh, Window Nation wants to give you the pick of the litter with 50% off right now, all windows and all window styles. Plus, you don't have to make any payments, you don't have to make a down payment, and you won't pay interest for two full years. If you've been thinking about new windows, just call them now at 866-90-NATION or head to windownation.com. Mention my name. You get a free in-home estimate. There's nothing to lose. If you've been thinking about new windows, do me a favor and at least give them the opportunity to give you a bid on your window project. Uh, You'll save big on energy bills, your home will look much better, and you won't have to pay them anything until the year 2026. 866-90-NATION, windownation.com. Jay Gruden next, right after these words from a few of our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. This segment of the show brought to you by MagdenMotors.com. Magden Motors is a new-to-the-DMV premier high-line exotic vehicle dealership with brands like Porsche, Ferrari, Lamborghini, and McLaren. They specialize in clean, low-mile, and unique spec vehicles. Every car goes through a 110-point inspection and is backed by an extensive warranty. Financing, leasing available on all vehicles, and they've got an expert staff there with an 
average of 20 years of experience. If you're interested, go to magdenmotors.com. That's M-A-G-D-E-N motors.com. Jay Gruden jumping on with us for the final time this year on a Friday, although he will be back before free agency starts and We definitely want to get Jay's evaluation of some of the key players in the draft. It's what he loved to do when he was a coach in addition to coaching. So there will be a lot more of Jay Gruden on the podcast. But as a weekly hit uh, on Fridays, this will be it until next season. And let me just start off by saying I've really enjoyed this and I really appreciate it. It's been very good for for me. And, uh, And, hey, you know, bottom line is, if they listen to your lock of the week all year long and they listen to my smell test, they're up for the year. So it's been that's, beneficial that's and profitable for them. Yeah. Um, winner, winner, chicken dinner. That's all we can do, Kevin, <laughs> is give them a, some advice. Lead a horse to water, you can't make them drink. Uh, you know what? That's what I always say. I can walk you to the window, but I can't make you play it, you know, but it's up to you. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, who do you like and why? You know what? This is uh, obviously it's a tough game. Both teams are very good. Otherwise, they wouldn't be here. Uh, I said before that San Fran at one time of the year was the best team by far in the National Football League. However, they've kind of, uh, I don't know, they've stumbled into the Super Bowl. They got there, so that's important. Kansas City's playing their best ball right now. They go to Buffalo, played one of the hottest teams in the league, and beat them. They go to Baltimore and play the hottest team in the league and beat them. So I got to I got to roll with the hot team and I think Kansas City gets it done. I think defensively Chris Jones will give them a problem up the middle. I think Spagnoli will give them problems on third downs with blitz packages. Um yeah. The only issue I have is Juwan Taylor versus Bosa on the right side there on the, on the offensive line that might be a problem for Kansas City, but I think at the end of the day Patrick Mahomes makes five or six off-schedule plays that no other quarterback in the world can make and, and they get it done. What do you think of Brock Purdy, and what do you, how do you think he'll play on Sunday? Well, I think he's been fantastic the last couple of years. Last year they probably beat Philly, maybe, um, if he doesn't get hurt. This year he brings them to the Super Bowl. He's won it a lot of different ways. Now, early on the season, it was more of a conventional hand the ball off, throw your bubble screens, let the playmakers make plays. But last week and the week before against Green Bay, it was from come from behind wins, using his legs, off-schedule plays. Um, doing things that's necessary to keep your team afloat and get wins. And that's the most important thing. He's not the most athletic quarterback, doesn't have the strongest arm. But from an efficient standpoint, from an athletic, from an accuracy standpoint, he's one of the best. Yeah, I think that last point you made about the last two weeks, I, I talked about it yesterday. Like Purdy, for me, all year long, and even last year, I'm like, he's he's okay. I mean, I think people get carried away because of the record there for a while. But against San, against Green Bay in the fourth quarter, and then when Detroit kind of served up the opportunity for the 49ers to get back into that game, he made plays off schedule consistently. And to me, that's where you start to, as a, as a fan evaluating quarterbacks, that's when you can start to talk about somebody being special when they can whether it's in the pocket or outside of it it's it's elevating the the players around them rather than being elevated no you're exactly right and sometimes he doesn't get much credit for being an athletic quarterback because he can't do some of the things that Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes or Lamar Jackson can do obviously but in the in the scope of a game when things break down he has the ability to make tough yards and get first down he's proven that and Obviously, he can make the plays and hand the ball off to McCaffrey. He'll do great things and throw a bubble screen to Debo. He might take it to the house, but he has made other throws down the field to Kittle, to Ayuk, 
that have been tough throws, under pressure, under duress, and he's been doing it a lot of different ways in a lot of critical situations as well to get his team to the spot. It's pretty impressive. So I don't know how anybody can hate on Brock Purdy just because he has a couple good players on his team. He's got more than just a couple of good players, and he's got a phenomenal you know system to be a part of. But I, I hear what you're saying, and I think you know he's proven something to me uh, over the last two weeks in particular, coming back, which has not been a hallmark of Kyle's teams, and doing it in a way that, you know, as I mentioned, was mostly off schedule in the late portions of the Packers and the Lions games. No, no, he, he could do it all, and he's a good player. I mean, Kyle's a good play caller, but he's had issues when the quarterbacks don't succeed. He's had some injuries. I've seen him get shut out before. I mean, this is a player-driven league. They have excellent players, and you have to have somebody at the quarterback position who touches the ball every time, who gets the plays right in the running game, runs away from support, runs to the three technique, away from the three technique, whatever it might be, protects himself with the blitz pickups, moves his back and moves his center. That's what Purdy does, and that's what a game manager is supposed to do at that position at a high level. Gets the ball to the right people, checks it down when he has to check it down, drives it downfield when he can drive it downfield. He can make all the throws, so. Uh, he's he's one hell of a player. It sounds to me like you just went through like a checklist of what is expected minimum from a quarterback. I actually want to go through that with you. So take it chronologically. When you're looking at playing a quarterback in an NFL game, being your starter, what at bare minimum do they have to do starting with – you know, you mentioned it. They got to get the play right in the huddle. Just take what, what what you just did chronologically from the time you come up with the play idea. What does the quarterback have to do, bare minimum, to be you know a top half of the league starter? <laughs> bare minimum. It's uh, I don't think there is a bare minimum. There's uh, a maximum to be a top level starter in a National Football League. There's a lot you have to do and have to process. You know, first of all, you have to figure out what kind of quarterback you have. Is it an athletic quarterback or non-athletic? And, uh, if it's not an athletic quarterback, then he better be really, really sharp above the neck, be able to get your team in the right place and protect himself and be accurate, be on time, be tough, be mentally tough, be physically tough, handle adversity, do all the things necessary, make your teammates better. Um, if you're an athletic quarterback, you add a little bit more. You can uh, do some zone reads. You can do some RPOs. You can do some different things to get the quarterback outside the pocket. Uh, you can scramble on third down and get your first downs, but still you have to read defenses and you have to do the right thing when the ball's in your hands and make good decisions and be accurate, be tough, be mentally tough again. Uh, there's a checklist that uh, it's, it's never-ending, really, for a quarterback to start in the National Football League. It's very difficult, and when you get one, you're going to be a coach for a long time when you don't have one. You'll be doing radio shows on Friday afternoons, right? Uh, yeah, podcasts, um, which are fun yeah, in, yeah. in today's day and age. So, so yeah, I love it. Yeah, uh, but but you you said at the beginning, and I've heard coaches say this all the time, and I think. As fans, we don't understand that it's not necessarily the easiest thing in the world, no matter how many days you know you're there in the off season and you know training camp and practices. And that is, it starts with taking the play in through your helmet and then communicating it on time and accurately to everybody in the huddle. That's not a given with yeah. every quarterback, right? No, and then you got to get the splits right. Make sure your receivers are in the right splits. Make sure everybody's in the right spot. 
And then from there, you know, it, it could be as simple as a running play. There's very few. I mean, there's there's some call it and run it type plays. So you can call a play to hobble. You're going to run it no matter what against whatever front. But you still might need to bring a motion down to block a safety or what have you. Uh, but there's a lot of plays that require, you know, maybe a auto, which is you're going to run it one way and can it to the other way, depending on safety support or where the three technique is or whoever you want to run to, whatever it might be. Then you got your cans with uh, you got to run play in your can it with a pass play. It might be two pass plays. It might be a a scat pass protection with five man protection. It might be a max protection, uh, depending on the look or the blitz. Some of these defensive coordinators are giving you. So uh, sometimes you might have a six man protection. You got to flip the protection. You know you, you you're sliding one way, but the pressure's coming the other way. You got to make sure you flip it to try to protect your back. So there's a lot of different things that take place before the snap and then post snap. You got to read the rotation of the safeties. You got to see everything. And then you got to get the ball to the right people under duress, step up, protect the ball, two hands on the ball, um, throw it away when you have to throw it away, uh, and make those necessary plays. It's just hard to just put into perspective on a 10-minute phone call. Yeah, no, I, I get it. Um, what's the, the, the most amount of options a quarterback might have pre-snap for a play? Like You just mentioned they could can it to two different – uh, pass plays. If it was a run play called, what, what are the, what's the most number of plays a quarterback could check to? Uh, you know, we had four at one time. We could get to the line. It was it was kind of a cool thing. We'd get to a formation. It was a that would tell would get us a pretty good pre snap tells whether it was man or two deep or three deep. So we'd have a, a run play if it was two deep, a pass play if it was two deep, um, and then a, obviously a pass play if it was three deep, and another pass play if it was uh, man-to-man if we thought it was man-to-man so he had four different options and we usually tell him if it was too deep uh we'd want to run it or throw it to our best pass play in those situations so you know, might have a halfback choice of chris thompson in, in a quarter or two deep a 3d play we might have a four vertical type thing and then uh you know mac and if it was a cover zero or something like that we might have a, a quick game or something like that so there's a lot of different things you can do it's kind of fun to deal with quarter some quarterbacks love that ability to get to the line of scrimmage and make the decision some quarterbacks don't they want the decision to be made for them they want the play to be called and they want to execute it to the best of their ability uh how much do you have impact prior to the you know headset shutting off with 15 seconds left on the play clock how often do you get the quarterback to the to one of those options before you can't communicate anymore with him you're hoping that the defense would present itself where it was easy for the quarterback to figure out. Like Andy Dalton could do it his first, second year. Uh, Kirk could do it um, pretty much. Um, so you're hoping that it's pretty easy to see single high, two high, or man-to-man, right? Um, but there are times that uh, you could communicate before, but a lot of times when you're calling that type of play, it might take a little bit of time in the huddle, um, so you won't have that ability to help the quarterback. Do you, uh, in, in those situations, in the quarterbacks that you've had, how often have you felt like totally confident that the quarterback is going to see it exactly the way you do? Uh, very confident. Otherwise, I wouldn't put it in. And it's a comfort level that has to be communicated between the, co- the play caller and the quarterback. And the quarterback says, you know, I don't really see it this way. I don't really like it. Uh, they rotate and say, I don't feel comfortable doing this at the line of scrimmage. I'm afraid I'll get a delay game, whatever, then you don't do it. But if you have a quarterback that's dialed in and says, yeah, I love it, uh, then you do it. You can do it four or five times a game, actually, because you might get four or five different looks and uh, be able to get four or five different plays called. And against, and it's a good thing because you can maximize your opportunity against the coverages you want to try to hit, you know, instead of guessing, okay, I think we're going to get 3D here. Let's call 3D beater. Hot, huh, damn, it's too deep. You know, so uh, there's, 
there's positives and there's negatives to it. How good of a coach is Kyle Shanahan? Oh, he's a great coach, great play caller. He comes from a very good system. You know, he worked with, obviously, his dad. He worked with my brother for a little bit, so he had two pretty uh, good systems to learn from. Um, and he's, you know, kind of combined them to a very solid run game system. Chris Furster, the line coach, is excellent. Uh, they get players uh, moving. Uh, they got athletic linemen, and they, their zone schemes are very good, which opens up their play actions and their, and their boots. And I think that's where his strength is. First and second down, there's no better play caller the National Football League than Kyle Shanahan. Third down, you know, obviously everybody kind of comes down to earth a little bit. I wouldn't put him in the top in third down. But first, second down, he is the best. And that's why it's important for Kansas City to try to get these guys with some third down so Spagnuolo can do his damage with his lips. When he went to work for your brother, wait, were you in the organization at that point? Did you know Kyle? Were you yeah. guys? Yeah. So you were working yep. at the same time for your brother? Yep. And we were both like little slappies. We were just, uh, he was quality control and I was offensive assistant. Did Mike suggest that he go work for Tampa? Is, is Mike and your brother, are they, are they close? Were they friendly? I'm sure they are a little bit, but I don't know if the recommendation was I'm sure there were I mean Mike is obviously a well-respected coach and uh, I don't know how that worked out to be honest with you okay tell me what you think about Cliff Kingsbury as the offensive coordinator you know I just know him from offense you know obviously Texas Tech he did some good things with uh, Mahomes I think they were six and six or five, seven and five or whatever kind of a little disappointing and you know he's made made a say in college football and, and in Arizona he got the pick in the draft with, uh, you know, Kyler Murray, did some good things, had some injuries, went through some adversity, all that stuff. But he's a he's a good play caller, I guess. And, and you know, I just don't know, you know, I don't know what kind of – it's all going to depend on a number two pick. You know, it's not like he's going to take the same offense that they had this year and then turn it into a juggernaut. You know, there's got to be a lot of changes made. You know, I think Eric Bieniemy would have been fine if they make necessary changes. But you have to make changes personnel-wise to make this thing work. I don't know if there's an offensive coordinator in America that would have, you know, made this offense with the personnel they had into a top five offense. If that makes sense. So yeah. they need a lot of help. I'm sure Cliff can do the job if they get the right people in there. I mean, did he have? A, is there a reputation that he had among you offensive coaches over the years, or or not? Not really, because he didn't really uh, come from the NFL. He came from the college right. ranks and became a head coach in, college, in, in the NFL. So not many people really knew his play calling abilities and all that stuff um, until he got there and he had, you know, four or five years with Kyler Murray, I guess it was. So um, kind of sight unseen as far as a true offensive play caller and innovator, uh, but we'll see. This time of year when coaches are being named left and right, coordinators are being named left and right, do you get the itch to do it again or not? Not really. No, no. I uh, enjoy myself right now and, uh, you know, it's just such a grind and taking a couple of years off is kind of good. Maybe next year I'll try to get into a consulting type role or something like that. If something happens and my knees give out where I can't golf anymore, maybe something <laughs> I'll try to get back into it. But I got a couple other things I'm going to try to dip my toe into and see what happens there, and uh, it'll be fun. Yeah. Um, I didn't see this last week before you were on with me, but several people sent it to me afterwards and said, why didn't you ask Jay about this? But on the day that Quinn was named head coach, you tweeted out, when you three-putt for par, it's a good score, yet disappointing. Kind of like dot, 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 dot. So, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm sure everybody was disappointed. Everybody thought Ben Johnson was a guy and all that stuff, but par is a good score. Dan Quinn's a good coach, man. It's not a knock on Dan Quinn. 
Um, you know, I, I think that uh, whoever they hire needs to bring positive energy to the organization, which he will bring. He needs to hire good coordinators, which I think, you know, we'll see with Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury how he does with the new quarterback and all that stuff. But uh, I just feel like I the pulse of the whole area in the football world was like, hey, we're going to get Ben Johnson, Ben Johnson, Ben Johnson's the greatest thing ever. And they don't get him, and everybody's a little disappointed. But I think they should be happy that uh, Parr's a good scorer, and Dan Quinn's a good football coach and well-respected amongst uh, his peers. That scrambling one-putt par does feel better, though, than three It putting. does, it does. Um, so, <laughs> it sure does. So uh, back to the game for, for a moment. If Patrick Mahomes wins, do you consider him to be the GOAT, the greatest of all time? I mean, he's still got a little work to do to do that. I mean, when, when you put in 20 years of – Back to 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 back years of production like Tom Brady does has and Joe Montana put a lot of years that I think you still got to show the consistency. But as far as the talent goes at the position, hell yeah, I mean there's no doubt about it. But longevity, you know, there's something to be said about longevity and consistency. And Patrick's doing that after six years, but can he do it after fifteen or twenty? I mean, you know, there's that conversation about you know accumulating the the championships and the years and the whole thing. But just in watching quarterbacks as you have your entire life and coaching them is he the greatest you've ever watched do it yeah yeah there's no doubt about it i mean there's been some guys with similar arm talent similar uh, ability to uh, scramble and do all those things but he has a he has a total package he does not have a weakness i mean he's very smart he gets his team in the right place he sees defenses he's accurate he anticipates his off-schedule plays are second to none um and he's a hell of a guy and a hell of a leader, and he makes all his teammates better. I mean, he has really a very below-average receiving core. Kelsey's getting a little bit older. He's a good player, don't get me wrong. Rasheed Rice is emerging as a good player. But, you know, Justin Watson, the Valdez, Scantling, and, and, and the other guys, the Sky Moore, I mean, this is this is not a, a, an explosive type of offense. I don't. I think if you put any other quarterback with the Kansas City Chiefs, they're probably 5-12 five and, five and 12 at best, in my opinion. So, yeah, he's, he's, he's the best I've seen. And I said it the other day, I said, if Tom Brady, Joe Montana, Dan Marino, and Patrick Mahomes were all 22, which one would you take? You're going to take Patrick Mahomes, uh, in my opinion. I know I've asked you this before, but in that draft, obviously that was the you know the summer of not getting Kirk extended and, uh, and not trading him, as you and I have both agreed, was a big mistake uh, before 2017. Um, did you – what was your thoughts – on Mahomes. I mean, Andy Reid fell in love with him clearly and went up and traded, you know, from where they were, which was 27th in the first round, up to 10th. I mean, they had to give up, you know, a first and third round um, and another for, and, a, and a first in, in 2018 as well. Uh, what, did you, what was the buzz about Mahomes before that draft? You know, his, his arm talent was off the charts obviously he'd made some incredible plays in college at texas tech now he did some uh really idiotic stuff too he tried to force balls into coverage and threw a lot of interceptions or should have been intercepted balls but he made some unbelievable splash plays i think the difference i think what pushed patrick over the top for andy Reid is a chance for them to go down there work him out and get to know him and talk to him and get him on the board that's something we didn't do we weren't interested in the quarterback in the first round because i think i was alex's first year or what have you so we didn't really do our, our work on Patrick Mahomes, and uh, they did. And, and I think a lot of times when you're taking a quarterback, you're moving up and you're that convicted, you have to spend a lot of time with him and get to know him as a person. And they could tell that he was a very smart guy above the neck and he had all the arm talent and had the athletic ability, so it was a no-brainer for them. 
but it wasn't for every other team. No, it wasn't. All right, let's get to your lock of the week. Final one of the year, 11-7 and seven against the number uh, this year. Uh, the 49ers, I've got them right now at my bookie, which is our sponsor, at minus two. The total is 47 and a half. Man, it's a tough one. Tough one. I've, I've, I've gone back and forth on both the total and the game. You know, I think uh, I, I'm going to lean towards Kansas City in this one um, for reasons before just because of Patrick and I think Spagnolia's defense. If they can play the run against Tristan McCaffrey with the light box, with play cover two and protect themselves against the play action passes and all that stuff, then Kansas City will have no it will have obviously greater success forcing them to third down and be able to blitz them. If they can't and they have to come down and play single safety and try to load the box up to stop McCaffrey, then we got problems with them. You know, we got problems. So but I'm still gonna take Kansas City. I think Chris Jones will make a huge impact up the middle. I think San Francisco's weaknesses in the interior, their center and two guards aren't very good. And that's what Chris Jones likes to play. He likes to roam and make huge plays. And uh, I think they get it done. You know, you don't have to give me a pick. I mean, I just because it's on TV doesn't mean that you have to wager on it, although it is the Super Bowl. If it's on TV, you got to pick it, uh, right? If yeah. it's on TV, you got to make a play. Yeah, That's but what from degenerates do. But but as a as a as a fellow degenerate and I'm not calling you one actually. Uh let me let me take that back. But oh, I um I, I think the biggest mistake the the average better makes is it's Thursday night football. I got to have action, but I can't figure out which side to take. Because I agree with you. I don't like anything in this game. I, I have no idea what's going to happen. There isn't an obvious sort of uh, contrarian play, which is the way I always look at it. Um, I am a little bit surprised that San Francisco is favored in this game. I thought it would be a pick 'em uh, when when the when yep. the Chiefs beat Baltimore. Um, but that also kind of indicates that they've liked San Francisco throughout. I mean, they were you know a big favorite against Detroit. You and I both liked them against Detroit, laying the big number, and they didn't get it done. Um, is there a, a after a game before you would meet the media? Did you grab a stat sheet, study it, and look for certain things? And if so, what did you look for? Usually, it was like simple stuff: time of possession, turnovers. Uh, maybe sacks or what have you. You know, some of the big things that are important in winning football games, turnover margin, number one, protecting the quarterback, and then sometimes time of possession, but not that big a deal. But those are the big ones. Like, you don't get to see missed tackles on a stat sheet. Uh, think fundamental type things you don't get to see. you got to feel those from the sideline. Hell, we missed a lot of tackles. Uh, pursuit angles weren't very good. You could tell some of that. Offensively, our run game blocking wasn't good. or You could see some of that. Uh, statistically, really, it was all about the plus-minus turnover ratio, which you probably would know as a coach. You wouldn't sure. have to look at the stat sheet, uh, time of possession. But, you know, that's about it, really. Yeah, I mean, how many times when you you did that press conference right after a game, after watching the tape, were you uh, off on what you initially thought? Not very often that I can recall. Um, yeah, no. Uh, you know, maybe I – might say we missed some plays out there, and, and you look at the film, and hell, there weren't any out there. Who knows? Right. But uh, not very often. You can okay. kind of, you got to, I mean, you're down there, you're prepared all the week, and you kind of know what to expect from the defense, and you see what happens. You see the negative and the positive things that happen, and you can kind of see them on the sideline if you're watching. All right. Great job. I appreciate it all year. Uh, you know, I do. Um, Chiefs plus two in the Super Bowl. I will talk to you in a few weeks, maybe before free agency starts. Hit them straight.
Might be the over as well. You like the over too? You want that to go on your official record? Uh, the, the damn the 49ers defense has stunk the last couple of weeks against Green Bay and Detroit, right? That's one of the things that, that I make may make me play the Chiefs, and if I do it, it's going to be against better judgment because I really don't like them. Is just the Chiefs have been dominant defensively, and the 49ers have really regressed here. I mean, they've been run on, they've been moved on by back-to-back opponents, teams quarterbacked by Jordan Love and 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 Brock Purdy yeah, and, and, uh, and Jared Goff. The Ward is not very good. The cornerback opposite Ward is not very good. Is that Emory Thomas guy, whatever? Yeah, exactly. Nichols, very average. I don't know. I don't know. Um, something's fishy. Something's fishy over there in Vegas making these lines. <laughs> be you very got, careful. You got to be. You got to <laughs> pay attention. Uh, if it seems like it's wrong, just remember it isn't. Uh, they didn't. They didn't build all those big hotels because they got it wrong more than they got it right. Um, all right. Thanks so much. Enjoy the game. I'll all talk right, to you in a few weeks. All right. See you. The former head coach of the Washington Redskins, Jay Gruden, everybody, uh, and we will get him back on. I think one of the things that Jay does very well is evaluate players, so we will do some things with Jay before free agency begins and then definitely before the draft at the end of April. Uh, Up next, the final smell test of the year, right after these words from a few of our sponsors. Kevin looks where the John Q. Public is putting their cash and does the opposite. It's It's time time for the the smell test. test. The Super Bowl smell test is presented by MyBookie. Go to MyBookie.ag, use my promo code KevinDC, and you'll get a cash bonus on your initial deposit. MyBookie's got everything you need for the Big game on Sunday, the side, the total, the money line, and 321 prop bets as it stands now. That number may grow uh, by Sunday. For a Super Bowl, a one-time betting Sunday, or if this is your 365th day of the year betting, if it is, you've got a problem, uh, my bookie's a place to go. You're going to get free money. You're going to get fair numbers. That's numbers across the board, including pricing, which is so important, uh, especially with these prop bets. You'll see wild swings in pricing. You'll see wild swings in numbers. I was talking to Aaron, my, uh, excuse me, Denton, my radio producer this morning, and we were comparing my bookie with a site that he had, and I think Christian McCaffrey's rushing numbers were like 91.5 at my bookie and 93.5 somewhere else. That's a big difference. You should have multiple places so you get the best possible number and the best possible price. So sign up with my bookie on Sunday. You've got to use my promo code, though, Kevin DC. You're not going to get that cash bonus without a Exactly this promo code, Kevin DC. If there's something already in the promo code section, erase it and write Kevin DC. Uh, all right, I do have a smell test pick for the game on Sunday. By the way, this is the completion of year 18 of the smell test on radio and on radio and podcast combined. And this 18th season of the smell test was another winning season. Uh, 95, 89, and 8 heading into Super Bowl Sunday. That makes 
13 years out of 18, better than 500, and five years out of 18, sub 500. I do realize what the break-even number is, 52.3-52.4%, somewhere in that general area. Uh, That's on a traditional minus 110 VIG or juice number. Uh, You should be finding better pricing than just minus 110. You can find that on my bookie a lot. And a lot of the newer places, they are overcharging on losses. Um, but still, a good run. I started this smell test really as part of the Riggin show. I remember back in 2006, 2005, 2006, and it was just an expression of what I had learned through kind of the school of betting hard knocks, which is don't jump on the games that look obvious. Uh, stay away from those games or... If you've got big you-know-whats, bet them the other way. Um, and that led to you know me utilizing some of the uh, contacts that I've had over the years, especially with offshore books, to combine for you know definitely a contrarian style of handicapping. Although over the years, the contrarian handicapping philosophy has been adopted by many uh, in all corners of the betting universe, which I guess by definition means it's not contrarian um, anymore. Maybe it would be contrarian to start betting uh, the obvious sides. No, you'll never get me to do that. Um, all right, so I think this game is a really hard game to bet on the side. There is, according to my information, there is a lean, a public lean towards Kansas City. Uh, getting points, Patrick Mahomes getting points. A lot of people do think the wrong team is favored in this game. Uh, my bookie's got San Francisco at minus two with the total at 47.5. You heard Timmy earlier say he thinks maybe the total will go to 48 with some public action, um, that the public action in the Super Bowl means more than it does during the regular season, which is true. Um, I think there's going to be some... Uh, public uh, buyback on San Francisco. I also think there will be some super sharp money that comes in on Kansas on, on on the Chiefs, and and I think that's why I'm most concerned about giving out the Chiefs. I've had it in my mind since the championship games that this line was going to be bet down by the real sharp betters. It has not as of now. Uh, it still wouldn't surprise me if we got it down to one and a half, one, or pick them. There are some one and a halves right now. It would shock me if it went to three. If it went to three, I think you'd have major buyback from sharp betters um, that would immediately bring it back to two and a half, if not two. But I'm just not willing right now to go against what I think will be late sharp money on the Chiefs. Um, and give out San Francisco laying the points because the public likes Kansas City. Uh, not by the widest margin I've ever seen. Nowhere near it. There's just a lean. There's a solid lean on Kansas City uh, by the public, um, but it's not one of those overwhelming numbers. Now, the total is different. The public loves the over in this game at 47 and a half, and it is stuck at 47 and a half pretty much all the way through. Timmy said there have been some 48s out there, and he expects it to get to 48. Um, maybe wait for it to get to 48 and take the under. I'm going to take what I see right now at most shops, and that is the under 
47 and a half. I think that there's going to be too much overaction. I think there will be a big need for the sports books to see an under. I think there's going to be a big need for the sports books to see an under of, say, 41 or less points to knock out the over teasers. Um, that you will see. You'll see a lot of over 41s and 41 and a halves on teaser bets. Um, so, yeah, uh, I like the under 47 and a half. That'll be my last smell test pick of the year. Now, I know we've done it uh, previously during March Madness. So, you know, we'll do a standalone smell test. It won't count on my overall football record, but we've done pretty well with March Madness uh, in recent years. So, that's coming. Next month, as far as Super Bowl 58 goes, under 47 and a half. I kind of like the first half under, which is 23, 23 and a half as well. There's some good prices on under 23. You can get a plus uh, number back, plus 104, plus 105, somewhere in that neighborhood, even money on under 23 and a half, maybe minus 102, you know, 105, somewhere in that in that range. Um, but the official play under for Super Bowl 58, under 47 and a half. All right, that is it for this final Football Friday show of the year. Back on Monday with a big recap of Super Bowl 58. Like a couple of expectant fathers, Shula pacing the sidelines, Gibbs irritated. There's Bill Arnsparger. Of course, he's made his defensive call. Let's see who'll win this battle of strategy. Riggins. He's going to go all the way. Unless Blackwood can catch him, and he can't. What a tremendous play. But the key to this play was motion. The motion man coming across and turning around. Don McNeil, cornerback, running with him, slipped and fell. His responsibility to get back to the outside to contain Riggins. He could not get there until the last second. Riggins ran through an arm tackle and carried it all the way into the end zone. John Riggins, the seventh man to run for over 100 yards in the Super Bowl, the first from the National Conference, and he caps it off with a 42-yard touchdown. Fourth and inches, and now the try for point by Mosley. Let's see if we can see McNeil slip. Now he'll be coming across at the bottom of your picture. There, whoops. There he is right th- there. He's coming back into your picture. He got back late and just barely got his arms around the waist of John Riggins. You can't tackle Riggins high. And you can't tackle him with just arms. You've got to get some bodies on top of him. Watch him run right through this tackle and on into the end zone. So the star of these playoffs, Jack Cantook is the only one who loves Riggins the entire
Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.